BetOnline remains your top spot for all your live betting action and contests. NFL, college football, UFC and NHL are all in full swing. BetOnline is your number one source for wagering news, odds, trends and predictions. With both desktop and mobile access at end of time, head to the BetOnline today and use our promo code BLEAV for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. Hey everybody, it's Rahelio here. Wanted to wish everybody a happy holidays and happy new year in the 2024. So as we as soon as we finish this podcast, the holiday special, of course, the Dodgers announced the signing of Yanamoto. So we did a bonus episode this week, and you can find that after our holiday show where we talk about the Detroit Tigers signing right-hander Shelby Miller reliever to a one-year deal worth I believe three million dollars so thank you again for all the comments feedback we begin this year cannot stress to you enough how important that is and I feel like we've done some great content this year and it's not like a humble brag or anything but it's thanks to you guys and, and thanks to everybody who participates in the live chats and giving us super chats and all that and both our channels are doing pretty well hopefully you have a safe and wonderful holiday no question. Welcome to another episode of the Motor City Metrics Podcast here at TigersMLReport.com. I am Rohit Castillo. Alongside me is Youper and Chris Brown, or I would say I was trying to make a Russian joke because the hat looks very Russian, but I, I got nothing. Otan and Brown. Otan Brown. I I have a Christmas I have Christmas stuff somewhere, and I was trying to look for it frantically, I, and instead I went with my Havana Sugar Kings hat instead. So, but on that note. Like, See what? I just I, like a couple hours ago, I went through and, and tried to find a bunch of Christmas themed baseball names, and I think I did okay. Okay, so, uh, I could break those out whenever you guys want. So I would assume Matt Holiday would be one of them, right? You know, you know, I didn't go with like actually first I looked for a list <laughs> and like Matt Holiday was on there, like JT Snow, some pretty common ones. I went I went deep. I got some guys that uh, <laughs> I don't know. I've got I've got secular Christmas. I've got uh, religious Christmas names. I've got them all in there. Dang, any Hanukkah? I did not go for any um, Hanukkah. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know enough about Hanukkah. They, they taught us Hanukkah in, in elementary school, but uh, that was about it for me. I guess there's probably somebody named Candle. Candle, maybe. Candelario. <laughs> Dreidel. Candelaria. But yeah, there's yeah, there's a. Uh, I'm trying to find like. Christmas music that we wouldn't get fined for on YouTube, and there's not really much out there for that. But I did hear rumors today in some of the chats I'm involved in that apparently Yamamoto, there's a deal pending for that, which is going to be either announced tonight or tomorrow. Apparently, what made news tonight was that Shoni Otani was at a Rams game. That's the the extent of baseball news. And then Jeter Downs signed with the Yankees in the play on Jeter. Well, still, I think yeah, pe- people had started reporting that Yamamoto was going to be there at the Rams game with Tani, and then it came out that he wasn't going to be there. But Otani might be there. I don't know. There was also some word out that the Giants are out. They've been told they're out on Yamamoto. I mean, the, the Giants are forever the bridesmaid and all this stuff, right? Like, yeah. you know, they, they signed Carlos Correa, and then it didn't work out, and they were supposed to get Aaron Judge, and it didn't work out, and Tani, no. 
Yamamoto, no. It's, it's toughy. Yeah, I mean, is it the taxes or the, the fact there's human waste in, in the streets, apparently, or something? I, I don't know what's going on. I think I it was Rosenthal. This was appreciably worse than... What were you saying? You, I, go ahead. I think Rosenthal had a report that he was hearing city conditions are, 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 are a drag on, on the Giants right now in the eyes of some people, some players. Really? Okay, so what, so I'm not just saying it to be funny. It was actually some truth to it. I, yeah, I think it's just lost some of its luster as a you know uh, ideal place to live. Yeah, I mean when you when you're talking about people talking about uh, oh there's a, there's a Christmas background right there. There, there you go. go. Yeah, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, I wonder. We have to ask our, our buddy Matthew how things are on the ground there in San Francisco. Like I, I hear all these rumors, and I just always assume it's a little bit overblown. I hear the same thing about Los Angeles, really. So um, yeah, I don't know, but. Uh, I don't know. It, it, I think that for, for as much success as the Giants have had over the last 15 years, they're still not the Dodgers or the Yankees, right? Like, it's just not – there's nothing really you can do to combat that name brand recognition. Happy holidays, everybody, too, by the way. I just said everybody's chiming in with that. So, Jason listening from the UP. Sam from Montreal. Samuel, I haven't seen Samuel in here in a while. Good, good to see you as well oh. in the chat. And Paul, Merry Christmas to everybody. So, or Happy Hanukkah, however you celebrate that. But um, yeah, there's, it, it, there was, it, Stan mentioned how on foul territory defense of San Francisco by some of the baseball writers of that town. It's, it, people are very adamant when it comes to uh, defending San Francisco. But then again, it's the same thing with any town. I mean, Detroit's the same way. People are very adamant when they, when it comes to, their hometown and, and San Francisco has a certain kind of romantic system. There's a romantic vibe to it because you think about songs, there's the heart of San Francisco, the grateful, I think, I think so many things when it comes to San Francisco, but. Oh, you know, riding the rail, you know, riding the streetcars up and down those hills and hanging out on Fisherman's Wharf. I mean, there's a lot of great stuff there. I mean, it's, it's a great city, but unfortunately when some things start going a little South, that's what gets the attention. Yeah, and I've always wanted to go to Alcatraz. I know that sounds strange, but I've always wanted to check that out. I mean, because I've seen a couple movies about it and everything, and, and not to mention just the amount of history behind it. But tonight, we're so, going to be so talking about... So I married an axe murderer. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I married an axe murderer. The Phil Hartman scene. <laughs> yeah, the Phil Hartman scene is great. Charles Grobin, that's one of his best uh, cameo oh. movies of all time. Let so me tell you, I, having been there, those cells... For someone again, I'm, for those who don't know, I'm six six. Those cells are so short. I, it would it would have really felt like an extreme punishment to be in that place for more than a day or two. It was so small. Those cells is insane. That they have kept guys locked up in those things. Yeah, the, I was gonna say the there's a movie with Clint Eastwood. The was it the the Escape from Alcatraz, wasn't it? Or Birdman Escape from Alcatraz. Yeah. The, the, one of the guys in that movie uh, for a while was like the most famous person who followed me on Twitter. Cause I think he, he like followed everybody who followed him back. And he, he was an actor who ended up, he was on friends and Seinfeld. He played like the, the oh, yeah. uh, bizarro version of Kramer on Seinfeld. Larry Hinkins. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's him. Yeah. yeah. And he was also on breaking bad and he followed me on Twitter for a while. I'm like, Hey, it's getting... <laughs> so brush with greatness. Yeah. Yes, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if he still does or not. So, 
before we get into some of the MLB news and stuff like that and some of the holiday stuff, I wanted to give a thanks, a big shout out to the prospect. I I'll be right but let me let me show it. Chris, keep everybody entertained for a second because I want to go get this gift because oh. it's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. 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 Hey everybody, let's uh Let's uh let's listen to my rendition of the old TV theme song Rawhide. And a one. Um no, I, I don't uh yeah, so Roger's going to get something that was really, really nice. Um I don't know if he was gonna mention, you know, exactly where who or where this came from, but there's uh we kind of touched on it last week, but there's a player coming through the Tiger system who who feels like uh maybe the the heir apparent to Matthew Boyd in terms of like the face of the franchise, good guy, charitable person, and uh yeah, he's been nice to us, and so has his family, and, and particularly with Rogelio, they've uh, I think uh, actually you know talked on the phone and stuff like that. So yeah, his mother, but, uh, uh, his you talk about who I'm thinking you're talking about. Yeah, well, I was just I didn't know if you wanted to mention it, but I was just saying. So yeah, you got some pecans, right? Or pecans? Yeah, some, yeah, some pecans or pecans. Not exactly sure how it said, but I almost feel like the hand model here, like, um, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got some pecans sent over to me, and uh, it was sent over from Sarah Gibson Long. Wow. And, yeah, so and, go ahead, Chris. That's a, well, I was just saying, I think we touched on it last week, is that, is that like he just seemed to be popping up on the Tiger social media feed all over the place. And I think, um, and, you know, I'd, I'd, he talked to us in the podcast. He seems like a really good kid. I don't know him, know him, but there's a lot there that, that reminds me, like I said, it reminds me of Matthew Boyd. It's kind of just like this this – really good guy who's gonna is the sort of guy that you can make the face of the franchise in terms of like charitable giving and, and things like that so yeah very cool very nice uh you know thanking you for supporting when you know we we kind of just cover these guys but they you know some people appreciate it a lot more than others so that's kind of cool yeah i mean we're just stating the facts i mean he did do he stood out i mean he had a really good year we noticed the mechanical changes a little bit, the p- pitching changes, and it's just noticing that. And it was just really, again, it was just a really cool thing. He didn't have to do that. And I've, his mom, again, having a conversation with his mother earlier this year, it's just all the, all, so I pro- talked to Mr. Uh, Magno himself, and I talked to other, uh, I remember even Ben Malgeri's parents came up to me, and it was just weird because at one point I'm sitting in Erie, and all of a sudden somebody just taps me on the shoulder and, this is after the, I'm sorry, this is during the celebration. I got scared. Like, <laughs> was it the punch to the defense and the Malgeri parents? Um, well, yeah. So that was, it was, again, those are really nice things to do. And I really appreciate it. Like I said, just calling it, um, yeah, calling it the way I, just calling it the way we see it. And yeah. so, uh, just providing the coverage that they may not get elsewhere. So it's, you know, it is what it is. So I, I do say I will say this. I think the prospects. I just can case in point. Put the Jaden or the who's the prospect we Jank just Diaz? yeah Jank Diaz. He immediately retweeted it, and so a lot yeah. of those guys are getting those kind of clips. So, well, I mean, we, I know we mentioned this before, uh, and we you know we, we had some interactions with parents in previous seasons. You know, Dane Myers' mom was re- really supportive, but but Parker Meadows, as we were walking to the. Uh, kind of the batting cages where we interview players in, in the area, Parker Meadows just kind of turned around and stopped and said, thanks for, for all the coverage. Thanks for everything you guys do. And we're like, you know, we had no idea that he even knew about it. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think cool. some of these, some of these guys, uh, you know, they, they don't really get their highlights out there otherwise, unless they're, unless they're going to do it. Um, 
And so, yeah, it's it's very nice, and uh, we appreciate all that. But obviously, you know, we, we're not doing it just out of the kindness of our hearts. We're doing it because we like it. <laughs> like you're right. Like we're not we're not running a charity. Yeah. Uh, but we dig it. So it's it's uh, it's nice to to kind of the two way street of it. It's, it's pretty cool. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like that's why I'll, I put, I'll put the Patreon link out there or the PayPal link. We, we do it. We love doing it. Don't get me wrong. But if we can get extra funds to get us going to go to trips and so we can do the coverage, great. Or I could throw Youper a new mic setter, whatever the case is. So uh, the more that, the better. So Upgrade our come and go shirts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Merry Christmas. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the, the come and go shirts. That's a real thing. I Anyway, um, so... MLB just announced earlier today the some interesting rule changes that are coming. So the competition committee voted today to approve a widening of the runner's lane, including the dirt between the foul line and the infield grass. Mm-hmm. They also voted to reduce the pitching clock allotment by two seconds with runners on base and reduce mound visits by one other among some other minor changes and the pace of play. All this was, was approved. Um, let's see here. Getting back some of the the pace of play. This is where this line kind of cracks me up. The pace of play modifications approved by the committee are aiming at getting back some of the seven minutes of the average nine inning game time length that were lost in 2023 compared to the average April length. Yep, games were getting a little longer in September than in in April by seven minutes, and so yeah, yeah. They, I know it. it the the baseline thing I love because, uh, and, and you could probably talk to it better than, than we can just because uh, being an umpire, right. Um, it's, it's a, always a hotly contested, you know, always oh, in the baseline you, you throw them out. And now it's, it's, they made it more black and white, right. I think if, if you've got both feet in the dirt. I think now, yeah, the way point. I read it and they'll have to tell us more, but it should eliminate much of the controversy uh, because before, before the way the rule was written, it was one that everybody blamed the umpires, but they were just calling it correctly. The, the rule is is a really tough rule on, on the offense, right? Uh, because it's hard to stay in that runner's lane. Now they've widened the lane where you just have to be in the dirt, in, in, inside the cut, basically, all the way up the line. And that should give the runner a bit more leeway. It's going to make it a little tougher for the defense. Um, but now the runner can stay in a straight line a little bit more than the there used to be for a right-handed batter, uh, a straight line to the bag. And uh, yeah, every time it's called, you get an argument, you get an argument on the youth level. Every time you call it, no one really understands it completely uh, or they have an, uh, a wrong interpretation. Like for instance, the rule isn't that you're in the thrower in the, it doesn't matter if you affect the throw. It's does the runner affect the, first baseman's ability to make a catch and there's a slight difference there right um nobody knows that so you're you're always going to get an argument so hopefully this does make it a little easier to for everybody to digest and uh take some of that controversy away and by the way the uh stan just reminded us that the player association voted no on all the new changes so the as far as where we're talking about the average length of the game went it went progressively up a tick from April, started two minutes and 37 seconds. But I also think, don't you guys think that has something to do with perhaps at that point, fatigue, or it could be a number, well, necessarily fatigue, but in April, batters are not, I mean, you're still getting in that spring training mode where they're missing 
the offense is not getting going. In other words, weather, whatever factors play into it, by September, hitters are starting to get more into a groove and, and following and doing those things to kind of keep uh, bats going. So that yeah. I, I just think would be natural, right? And and I think uh, pitchers learned some little tweaks, little tricks that they could use. Like I think the the clock didn't officially restart or start going until they were on the mound. So pitchers could kind of get the ball in the grass or whatever and take a little longer time and like just things like that, that they were figuring out. And I, it, it, I don't know. It's weird to me that, that they're so militant about, you know, getting these, these games shorter and shorter. Like I, I, we all appreciated that, that the games were shorter last year and it's good, but like, they're really gung ho about it, getting them to like two and a half hours every game. And it's, I don't know. It, it seems a bit much to me. And I know the players are concerned that it's going to lead to more injuries because the pitchers, you know, we saw last year, there were some pitchers that we thought were uh, affected kind of a, a great deal by having to pitch more quickly. Now you would think eventually that they'll adjust to that, but um, yeah, I, 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 the players don't dig it, uh, which is kind of a bummer, but uh, it's going to happen anyway. So. Yeah. As far as it goes, it, it, there is a, I think the one thing about these rule changes that's going to keep happening too is Rob Manfield is going to find a way to continue to find a way any way he can to shorten games. And there's going to be continuous pressure to have, have that happen. And so at some point you have to wonder when the players association is going to go, okay, enough is enough. And is there a certain, what are they aiming for? Are they aiming for a two hour game or, you know, so what is, what is the, what is the end game? What is the goal that they're trying to set for? for length of game well it, and the one there was one rule that was discussed that they actually kind of tabled for a while and it's kind of curious to, to see all right why did they agree to table that one but not if the players didn't like these other ones why did they kind of go through with them and that was the um ruling that you can't block any other bases right so you can't block second base on a slide or third base on a slide right. which you already can't do at home right and so they were saying um you know try to put that rule in there, but I guess there was some you know, enough gray area that they weren't uh, you know, willing to do it. They wanted to try it in the AFL, I think. Um, so that, that one's going to be very interesting because that there is uh, the word gray areas or the phrase gray, gray area is important there because it's called very inconsistently. Uh, obviously you can't block the base until you have the ball. Right. But sometimes mm-hmm. if you're in the process of catching the ball, if that ball's like within a few feet of the run of uh, the fielder, umpires will kind of let you get in position to block that base. You know, it really depends on who the umpire is on a given night, which is, which are the rules I like to see eliminated uh, as much as you can uh, where there's so much um, uh, ambiguity there, but yeah, you got to have the ball to block the block a runner. Um, I would assume they're just trying to make it that you have to stand to the side and make a swipe tag race basically. Yeah. That should help offense. Oh, go ahead, Chris. I'm sorry. Oh no, I mean, I think you're right. It's it's they're they're simultaneously trying to continue to increase running, increase offense, and uh, decrease the game time, which is it's kind of uh, trying to do two opposite things at once. But it worked last year, and and I think we saw the st- steals were up almost two thousand or something like that. I, I remember I wrote about it in our speed piece, but I forgot what it was. So it's been effective. It's just. Uh, I don't, yeah, I don't know uh, why that one they just didn't feel like bothering with just yet. But I don't know. Like I said, I like the base baseline one that the pitch clock stuff. I assume it'll be kind of like last year where they're going to enforce it very heavily in spring training in the first month of the year. 
and then things will get a bit more lax and the games will get slightly longer by the end of the year. Yeah. Um, now, some, we'll of these rules, we'll some of these rules, uh, because uh, Major League Baseball and a lot of the travel baseball, we run the same rules. It's called OBR, the official baseball rules. Um, some of them tr- trickle down to amateur baseball and others don't. Obviously, pitch clock doesn't. Uh, we also don't enforce mound visits, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm wondering if um, we have to find out if they adopt this base blocking rule, which I guess they could get back to this year, um, if that will come to amateur baseball. And I would love that because uh, right now, every time you uh, somebody some kid blocks a base and you call the kid out, a runner out, you're guaranteed an argument from a mm-hmm. coach who doesn't know the rules. Can't block the base. Well, actually, you can't. You know, so, and they usually end up going you know, 10 rounds over that. Uh, so it, it would be cool to get rid of that. I'd have no arguments. Anything, I, I just like I said, I just, my whole thing is, is that if they're going to shorten the game, I just don't want it to deviate and change it to the point where we don't recognize it. And I don't think it's going to be the case sometimes, but it just seems like some of it's just, I, I don't know. It just seems a little micromanaging a little bit to me. Yeah. You know, for me, I went it was a slow summer for me. I got to see the Tigers twice down in Kansas city, right? Both weekday games. First one was two hours and seven minutes. Second one, the next day was two hours and 12 minutes. So they were both exceptionally uh, efficient games, right? They were over quick. I didn't feel robbed. I really didn't. Uh, I thought all the, I thought the game hit all the normal beats of a baseball game, seventh inning stretch, uh, walk around a couple different seats, some pitching changes here and there. Uh, but everything was just moving and I didn't realize I was, you know, I didn't feel I was shorted out of 40 minutes of baseball. That's for sure. Um, helped the Tigers won both games probably, but still, um, I, I thought last year to me, it was a rousing success. I enjoyed the pace so much. I don't want them to go backwards. That's for sure. I don't think they'll let it. Yeah, I mean yeah. that that's kind of the general thought we got when we first seen that in the minors. It was like, yeah, this is there's a lot of baseball happening and it's still faster. It's just yeah, it's they don't need to make it into a complete sprint. But yeah, I, I mean we heard the stories last year about how they were extending beer sales later in innings, right, to like the eighth inning because uh yeah. people didn't have enough time to get loaded. So. <laughs> I can see that. I do want to get to a couple of things that Scott Harris said recently with the in terms of how, in terms of what he was saying to the, the Freep about how the Tigers are not, they're not actively looking to trade their surplus of pitching and just kind of the, 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 you know, in terms of what's next, I mean, he did say that one of the interesting quotes that I thought was, was he said, quote, we did not add Jack Flaherty intended to be a trade one of our starters. We're always going to listen to opportunities to make, trades to make the organization better but that was not the goal of adding jack end quote i i personally think then it's then they are still actively looking <laughs> to do something because it's just i i know it's kind of this is a, the quiet time right now the holidays is coming up on i can't believe christmas eve is already sunday but i i still think there's well there's smoke there's there's fire to it and there's been it's hard again hard to, to gauge him but there is you still have to address the third. You still have two. There's still some pitchers left in the market. I mean, it's still, I, I don't know, guys, it might just, is it just me or some, I mean, outside of the, the Japanese pitchers, 
I feel like it's slowed down immensely because Strowman still hasn't signed yet. Snell. Um, Snell hasn't signed yet. Uh, the, the Lucas Jared, Lucas Jared Alito trade hasn't happened yet. So you're almost wondering if that's going to happen when all these signings start happening. Montgomery's out there yet, right? Montgomery still hasn't signed. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, I, I think um, – I do think that – I don't know. It's interesting. You know, my instincts have been, I think, wrong all off season. Like I thought, okay, yeah, you know, get to Maeda, maybe gets them in on a Japanese pitcher, and, and it doesn't seem to be that that's happening. And I thought for sure this signing signaled a potential trade, and Scott Harris said, no, no, we're not doing that. And, and yeah, I don't know if he's 100%, you know, secure in that. Uh, you know, he, he gave himself wiggle room saying, you know, if somebody approaches us, we'll consider it. Um, but yeah, I think you're right. I think, uh, there are no rush to make a trade of a pitcher right now because there's so many free agents left that you kind of, you want to wait to see how that all shakes out. And then, you know, if somebody gets left out of this, these pitching, you know, riches, then you can talk to them about a, a potential trade. But for right now, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense when, yeah, I mean, Montgomery's out there. You haven't, I haven't heard anything about Stroman. Uh, I've heard some rumors about Snell. He said, Jake Giolito, that Dylan Cease and Shane Bieber are still highly sought after trade pieces. So, uh, yeah, I think that there's, I, I, I find it hard to believe that they're not going to add at least one more bat somewhere because as it is, then you're, you're just really relying on a lot of things to go right this year <laughs> to even be an average offense. And uh, I mean, maybe that's the plan, but, but it feels like the best bet is to use a little bit of that pitching and, and get a bat. But we talked about that last week and they came out and said, no. So I don't know. To have the 28th ranked offense in baseball and to add Mark Canna and, and wash your hands of it would be pretty shocking. You know, that's, yeah. um, you, you, and again, there are, there's several weeks to go. Things can happen, but there are some decent hitters that would make your off. If you really intend to win the division, you know, that's a goal. If it's a true goal, which you would hope it is, <laughs> uh, there are some bats who should at least be able to chip in and help. And, and then just just to, to go back to what Harris said, you know, he, he said <coughs> they want to have a really competitive spring training or whatever. And it's like, okay, well, that's fine. You're going to have a very competitive, uh, you know, starting pitching competition. But uh, what about on offense then? Because you got you've got some bodies, but none of these guys uh, looks particularly, you know, exciting at third base. Uh, so I don't know, just it does feel like they need to add another contender there if they want to be serious about winning. but. I, I don't know. We'll see how it plays out. He did the way his, his quote came to me. It sounded like they, they were not closing the book on potentially adding another reliever, but they think that they're done adding starters. So I, I don't know. We'll see. Because as far as I'm concerned too, with the offensive upgrades and I'm real with old, old BK and Chris, Chris has a question in the chat. And I like that question. We'll get to that in a second, Chris, that I, I think the, in terms of, if you're looking at potentially a bat to, upgrade you're going to look at because you got to stop, stop and think about this okay so we're going to assume that cole keith right now the roster is i believe at 40 right now too with the flaherty signing so yeah. and so you got you're you're sitting there i still expect a trade i still expect a trade to happen i think that's gonna that's something's gonna happen whether it's but it's going to either fill a void because right now they can go with an offensive they need an offensive upgrade at third base i'm still I'm still not sold that Matt Verlian is going to be the starting third baseman. I mean, I just think that it's just 
I think he's more better suited as a utility player. I think he actually has a really good golf in the outfield, and he knows he's not he's not going to hurt you on the outfield. But I think you you're better suited to have him as a utility player. And, and the main issue with Veerling is that uh, you know he's a pretty good corner outfielder defender, and he was passable in center, and and he's probably passable at third base. The main issue is he doesn't hit enough for any of those positions. Uh, like maybe center field, but uh, we think that Meadows and Green are both better there, and probably Badu as well, or at least uh, similar. So, yeah, I, I like him as a right-handed pl- platoon guy and utility guy. Um, same with McKinstry and Ibanez. All three of those guys are quality uh, bench pieces to have. I just don't think that you're you're a contender if any of those guys is, is a regular for you. And we think Colt Keith is going to take one of those spots. I'm not sure who else is. I, I don't think. You know, you can rely on Malloy to play third base. I don't think that's happening. So, I don't know. It just, yeah, it feels like they need to to have a little bit more competition for those infield spots, too, in addition to the starting pitching spots. As far as Young being worth the wait, he still needs time in Toledo. I mean, there's just, you can't assume that he's going to be with the team come come March. Because I still think they're going to, if they're going to be as conservative as they were last year, I still, I think Young starts the season at in Toledo, and he could even be going to second. We don't know. That's the thing. Like it's, I think the 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 move to be made here is to is whether or not they're going to significantly upgrade at their base. And Michael Meyer has a good question here: Who's a believable acquisition? That's a you know. I'm I'll, I'll leave you guys with this because I'll, I'll you guys think about this for a minute, marinate on this. I, I as far as let's like let's take the Joey Diaz fantasy out of my brain for a moment because that's just that's just that I don't think Baltimore is going to trade the or, prospects Ortiz Ortiz why do I keep saying huh? Diaz that's all right is, is it UFC but it's a UFC fighter isn't it I don't know why I'm I'm thinking that but um and by the way we did get some word that Kreidler will be healthy is going to be a plus defender so Ooh. um. But okay, Uper, you have a third baseman in mind in your in your brain. What do you have in mind as a is a realistic possibility if the Tigers want to decide to go get a third base? If they can keep it to three years, I would look at Chapman. I don't know if he's going to get more than three years. I think he'd be a plus glove. He should hit enough to be an upgrade on what you've had there. And but again, if you have to stretch to five or six years for that guy then I probably don't want any part of that. You know, I, I think that's way too much. Um, you know, a few, our friend Standel had a question, what bats in general, right? Again, Mitch Garver's out there. Is he a better hitter than Jake Rogers? I think he probably is. Uh, JT Martinez or Jorge Soler, are they better at DH than Mark Canna and a cast of thousands? Yeah. Uh, if, they signed someone like Jorge Soler. Is he better than Kerry Carpenter? Probably. You know, I mean, there, there are ways to make the lineup better. And, you know, that doesn't mean Kerry Carpenter sucks. But if he's not as good as a the guy they can get, I'd be okay with that. What about you, what about you Chris, in terms of believable, realistic possibility? Yeah, I, I mean, you talk about Ortiz. I, I thought that, like, a Reese Olsen for Jordan Westberg deal made sense for both sides as, as a – Westbrook played second base and third base for the Orioles. He's young. He has part of a season in the big leagues where he looked like a quality player. 
it's basically the uh, you know, he wasn't, uh, I think he was a 97 WRC plus, you know, he wasn't tearing the cover off the ball, but he was playing solid defense and he's got some potential and he's got some size. It's felt like a, a fair kind of one for one deal position player for pitcher. They're both young and promising and, and or Baltimore needs pitching. I think, uh, of course, maybe they don't, you know, they won like 104 games last year, so maybe they don't care, but it just felt like something that, that would make sense to me now that Tigers have more arms, but um. But yeah, I don't. Who knows if Baltimore is interested in moving anybody, or if the Tigers are interested in trading Olson? You know, they, they. I'm sure they were pretty impressed with by what he did last year too. So, it just felt like an opportunity to me uh, to make something like that happen. Yeah, I mean, to me, it just it would ideally it, it, Baltimore does make sense. I just, but for whatever reason, I don't see Baltimore. I, you know, what's weird. Baltimore's been quiet on every front, anyways, and so. But then again, maybe they have directions from Satan himself, or I'm sorry, uh, <laughs> Angelos, not to spend but at all or do anything. They're just like, you know what? No, leave the roster as it is. And somebody asked about the Padres, and, and this is where I, Chris's question comes in the hand. What role does the new GM play? And I think Jeff Greenberg is going to – I think he's doing more I, – I think from behind – he hasn't been on a call yet either, so it's all been Harris. But I think he's still getting – acclimated to everything and so we'll probably see him more in spring uh but he's been he's been coming out more in quotes but as far as the Padres go somebody mentioned about the Padres influence extra infielders they have and San Diego's pitching staff right now they just signed a I believe they signed a Japanese pitcher or reliever just recently and uh they got out they got they, they addressed their outfield situation they got Drew Campbell from the Braves to kind of shore up a little bit, but if, I mean, if, if you look at who right now is projected to start at third base right now, that's what Matthew, is it Baton? For, for who? The Padres. I would think it'd be Machado, right? Or is it Bogarts? Yeah. Or Machado. They, they slid him at DH. Because of really? his back. Yeah. They're talking about huh. starting. Matthew Baton, oh, potentially. I mean, they have for now. This is all according to Fangrass, but this could be totally incorrect, and they could, you know, it could be um, whomever. Well, yeah, the Padres have they've got Machado, they got Bogarts, they've got Hassan Kim for another year. They have Jake Cronenworth. They they have a number of guys there. They have Jackson Merrill's their top prospect or second best prospect, if you'd like. Uh, Ethan Salas, you know, seventeen year old catcher, uh, and he's he's a top fifty prospect. Uh, Merrill is so he's an infielder that. You'd think that they might have uh, some some move to trade. They'd probably prefer to trade Cronenworth and Kim, but uh, Cronenworth is on a really weird like seven year deal and didn't play very well last year. And and Kim is only he's going to opt out after this one year, so I don't think you're getting a ton for him. You might be able to make a deal there somewhat. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, it, there there seem to be fits like the the Rays. You know, the Rays were supposedly shopping Isak Paredes. They've got Camonero. They've got all these other midfielders. Um, I think, like, there are players out there I think you can target and get. It's just a matter of do they – do the Tigers want to – like, how much do they want them and how much do they want to pay for them? Or do they – as somebody uh, – it was a Stan said, you know, is, do they want to just wait on Jace Young? Do they want to see if Jace Young can come up and help later in this year? It, it If you're trying to contend, that doesn't seem terribly smart to me. But um, – I don't know. Maybe they have a higher opinion of them than, than just about anybody else. 
Well, you know, and at the end of the day, there's probably an argument to be made that the Tigers are coming on a little bit at the end without Riley Green. Do they get him back? Is he, you know, a, uh, do they get a, a full year's worth of bats out of him? And is he a force in the lineup? That'd be a nice little uh, addition. The rest of the division hasn't done a lot, right? Um, the Royals, but they're starting at quite the deficit of a 56-win team. You know, the Tigers dominated the Twins again. Uh, I don't know if they can count on doing that again this year, but if they do, um, you know, is Scott Harris just thinking, wait it out, be patient, let the young guys come up, and we can still keep our head above water in a, in a fairly weak division? Uh, that's the only thing I can think of. I look at it this way. There's no guarantees with anything. And let's say, for example, Riley Green is coming back from injury. I'm sure they're going to do everything they can to keep him healthy and in the lineup. So that means if you're going to, that gives some more at-bats for Matt Verley in the outfield. So put that into consideration. Then you have, also you have to think about like whether or not, where you put Justin Henry Malloy as a DH or outfield, or whatever, as soon as he gets a call up. So there's no, to me, there's, you look, you, you look for ways to get better without sacrifice. Look, Cole Keefe is a close, uh, uh, between Young and Keefe, and Paul said, be, you know, young talent we have, patience. Absolutely. But Cole, Cole Keefe is the, like, to me, Cole Keefe is the best Tigers prospect. We have him number one for a reason, and he's the closest to Major League ready. I just, there's no guarantees to me that, Jace Young is going to be ready by the middle of the year. We don't know. I mean, he did make big strides when we got to Erie last year. It's nine day difference between the splits of him at West Michigan compared to Erie. However, if there's a team out there that's going to give you right now, the Tiger, if somebody can give you a guy who can give you at least a two or three war season at third base, that's a significant upgrade to what you have right now. And I would consider it. I mean, and it's not, if it doesn't mean sacrificing the farm, and means, for for example, yeah, and Devley Dinjabee is even, it's a good point that he's only played five or six games at third base. So there's no guarantees he can play third base right now. So it's one of those things where if a team is going to offer you something and you have your process in place with your pitch, like with your pitching development, and you have, you're following this blueprint along, then honestly, if it makes sense and there's somebody that they identify because they do this, they have guys I'm sure in other systems they have identified that could potentially be that they see themselves in a Tigers uniform. It's just a matter of the cost of acquisition. So who, how, how much are you going to sacrifice? So if somebody's asking for, let's say, sorry, Gibson long and Reese Olsen, no, hell no. I mean, that's, that's a little bit too much. That's too rich for my blood. But yeah, it depends, if, depends on what you're getting. Yeah, it depends on what you're getting. Gunnar Henderson or Jackson Holiday or something like like you know, yeah, there's well, always yeah, a of price. But um, yeah, I think to, to you's point, I do think it feels like Harris feels like he doesn't need to really go all in by any means because there's enough talent here that if enough things go right, that they can still be in the picture for the division around the trade deadline. And then theoretically they'd be in a position to upgrade if they want to. Um, they also could, things could go wrong again. They've, they've gotten off to bad starts basically every year that Hinch has been here. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, then they're moving Jack Flaherty and Kenta Maeda in the middle of the season and they need those arms. Uh, but 
yeah, I don't know. I, I, I it just feels like the offense is you're just you're just hoping too much that, that you're going to get a full season of healthy Riley Green, and that guys like Torkelson and Rogers and Carpenter and Meadows are all going to do as well or better than they did last year. And it just feels like you know some of that might come true, but not all of it is. It's baseball. We know that like not every one of these guys is just going to get better or perform at its like 80th percentile level. <laughs> and you know, adding Canna it gives you a little bit of a you know, solid veteran, but we're not expecting more than like one and a half war, right? From, from him, like he's a slight upgrade over what they had, but you need, you just need a couple more guys who can go out there and and win you games. And we think Colt Keith can be that guy, but it's the big leagues. It's a huge step from AAA to the big league. It's going to take him a month or two to just even get acclimated. And uh, I don't know. It's just, they're, they're kind of crossing their fingers a lot here. How much third base can Andy Abanez play? I mean, he at least, he had a, a, he was he had an OPS plus over a hundred, which was few and far between on the club. There weren't that many of them, <laughs> so um, I, I assume if they don't bring him, it's going to be a cast of thousands at third base, and you know, he could be one of them. As far as yeah, I was going to say, as far as games he's done played at third base for his career, he has played a total. I mean, he was a starting third baseman for Texas a few years ago. Yeah, in the last three seasons, he's played fifty two. 52 games. So the equivalency of 366 innings at third. Hmm. So I'm checking um, to see what StatCast says about his arm strength. Yeah. I didn't find it when he did play third for the Tigers last year. I didn't, nothing offensive happened, right? I mean, I don't remember. Yeah, I don't, I don't. Yeah, but he doesn't have, a, he doesn't have the arm. He's more suited, better suited for second base. Buying is just something well, like he, he's mostly suited to be a bench guy. He's an effective bench guy, right? I mean, yeah. we don't want him starting, but yeah, his arm strength is a seven, seventh percentile here on, on, but again, like, you know, maybe that's because he's making throws from second base or he played a little bit first base too, I think. So, um, yeah, he, he, he had, uh, he got hot down the stretch too, I think that, that really kind of pushed his numbers to the top. But I think you was right. Like, that's a guy I feel very comfortable with Andy Abanez as a bench bat, as a guy that plays two, three times a week, uh, and, and kind of in, you know, those roles that the Tigers used to have when they had good offenses. So it's, it's a Ramon Santiago start or a Don Kelly start where you go, all right, I mean, this guy can do some things. He's not going to be a complete embarrassment out there, but we don't want him playing every day. Because mm-hmm. um, he's like 31, isn't he? He's not like he's yeah. a kid. Not a kid. Absolutely. So, I don't yeah. know. Useful, useful piece, but I don't know. I mean, he, he, was, he didn't make his major league debut until he was 28 years old. And so, but, uh, Paul asked in the chat, would we trade with the Tigers trade young and a pitcher for an advanced young third baseman? Depends on who. I mean, if you're if you're talking like somebody that's under club control for six years and it's going to be a once in a generation or or not once in a generation talent, but somebody who's going to come in and immediately make an impact. then yeah, I would consider it for sure. But it it, again, I don't think teams are will. I mean, I don't think Tigers are really going to trade willing to trade young. But then again. As Michael said earlier in the chat, he's inherited some of these players, and they weren't veterans. So see what he has with some of the younger guys. And and there's again the max the max mass exodus of prospects we've seen in the last probably year and a half. Even if you look at the minor league free agents, some guys these are some of the people that have been in the organization for a while. Like for example, Jacko Olafian. That's a guy who got called up to Toledo. They saw something in him enough to get Toledo, but he curiously decided to go to Oakland because he recognized too, he has a chance to start in Oakland next year. Sure. Yeah. Or Vegas, wherever the hell. Yeah. Sorry. Vegas. They're playing Vegas next year, but you get the idea that 
the Tigers did enough to make him suitable for other teams, which is something that we're not we're going to get used to. But my, my point is, there is going to continue to be the exodus of that, and there's going to be who knows if Gage Workman will be here in come spring. I mean, it's I'm so surprised he's here. Actually, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I mean, yeah, with with guys like Workman, Workman especially is is frustrating because the tools are, are pretty impressive everywhere except for that you know pure contact and it's like i mean that's the one that's hardest to, to get right and it rarely ever happens but you don't want to necessarily give up on the guy but uh yeah it would not shock me if, if workman and daniel cabrera are uh kind of released quietly by august or september next year just the the, the roster turn you know we go through and there are a whole bunch of players released uh just a week ago that was just you know not not noteworthy at all, but they're on the minor league transactions list, like like our old pal Ted Stuka. <laughs> like six foot eight, but they decided to make him like crouch down and throw side armed. And uh, I don't know if they decided that, but he, you know, he was an interesting guy who threw hard, but uh, couldn't throw strikes. And and Samuel, he was it was Danielle Demonte. Remember the Italian kid who had ridiculous pitch data, yeah, like crazy spin and in, in IVB, but uh, couldn't throw any strikes, which is an issue when you're trying to pitch. So. Yeah, just uh, unfortunately, a lot of these players just just uh, have to go at some point. So a couple other things too. a couple former Tigers, Hernan Pernez signed a minor league contract with the Reds. The greatest Tiger of Uper's generation, Uper's favorite Tiger, mm-hmm. uh, Victor Reyes signed with the team in Korea. So that was it was a Boim Boim Barat or. Bon voyage. Bon, I can't even say that word. Bon voyage. Bon voyage. Well, bon I'll tell voyage. you, Vic's keeping the dream alive. Yeah. Heading over yeah. to Korea. Going to get himself a Babbel.com account so he can learn Korean. And uh, probably making a good, you know, eight, nine hundred grand next year. Good for him. Yeah. Um, you know, guys have come back. I'll, I, I still stand by my thing. I don't think Vic has had his last major league at bat. He'll, he'll, He'll claw his way back someday. <laughs> um, somebody He's asked about the 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 signee uh, in uh, the signing from Nicaragua. Duque, Duque Heber. Heber. Yeah, we haven't. You know, come to think of it, we haven't heard too much outside of the, the DSL stuff. I mean, that's been. Yeah, I mean, he he pitched. He was okay in the DSL. I think it was like a four and a half five ERA. Uh, nothing special. I think. A, a, a decent number of strikeouts, but more hits than you'd like for a 21 year old in the Dominican Summer League. It's it's it was a cool story, and a guy had some interesting stuff. But um, I just I don't think I think he was topping out at like 91 miles an hour, and I don't know if that's going to cut it in, in pro ball these days. Yeah, I was just I was just thinking about that. It's just a sorry, it's a situation too where uh, you you would like to root. And, and see something happen, but it is what it is. What it is. Uh, although I will say this, I think the strangest event this week. Can we talk about for a moment Ben Verlander and the Shoney Otani? <laughs> well, I'm sorry, we we have to because I, I, I all right, for anybody that hasn't heard it, I'm about to play here in just a second. It is one of those. It's one of the most cringiest things I've seen in a long time. And you people, I mean, you can, it's, there's a couple of people that said there's, you can have an opinion about it or look at it, ignore it and move on. And that's what I, 
I sort of did, but then I started thinking about it, and I didn't take it as seriously as other people did. And and but it was one of those things where, I, I, for anybody that hasn't heard it, I'm just gonna play it for you guys now. Please, um, this is this is you're supposed to be a analyst. That's his title. That's what I. That's what I believe his title is. This means everything. It's the most important signing in Dodgers history. I have no problem saying that. It's the most important. It's the biggest. It will be the most impactful. And it's already impactful. Not on the field, but odds-wise, the the Dodgers are now the odds-on favorite to win the World Series. They signed Shohei. Well, guess what? That comes along with the territory. You're now the favorites to win. What also does this mean? Well, it also means... You have the ability at this point, and this is something that's been so important to me, and I said it a little bit earlier, but I will continue to say it. This money, $700 million, yes, you get Shohei on your team for guaranteed the next 10 years, right? But this goes on forever. And I said this last week. I said it before, and I'll continue to say this. Whatever team Shohei Otani signs with will be remembered as his team forever. Shohei Otani now goes into the Hall of Fame as a Los Angeles Dodgers player. He won't be as an angel. He'll be remembered as starting his career with the Los Angeles Angels. But he's going to go into the Hall of Fame wearing a Dodgers hat. And he'll be remembered forever in a Dodgers uniform. Let's, let's talk Babe Ruth, right? He played with the Red Sox. He's remembered as a New York Yankee and will forever be. And he's a guy that is almost this mythical figure. He's a legend of the game. We see him in movies all the time, and he's in a Yankees uniform. That's what this is. And it lives on forever. It doesn't end after the 10 years. You're not paying $700 million for the baseball player Shohei Otani. You're paying $700 million for the brand that is Shohei Otani. And so much comes along with that. The marketing that you'll be able to do forever. The people that will go watch Dodgers games forever because Shohei Otani played for the Dodgers. I want to go watch a baseball game where he used to play. Wow. A lot yeah. to unpack there. There's a lot to unpack there. And before <laughs> you get to the, the obvious nepotism jokes and all that stuff about him being Justin's brother and all that jazz, I, I just let me say this. A lot of people don't know that Babe Ruth started his career with the Red Sox. I mean, there's some people like, yeah, I, I would think the casual baseball fan does not realize that. I mean, it was a trade. I mean, for, I, you know, it depends. I, 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 don't, I don't know. Sometimes people don't they're associate with the New York Yankees. No one's ever associated Babe Ruth with the Red Sox. Nobody. Because he did all his damage in a Yankees uniform. Otani. Got off to a really good. He he had a ten more season in an Angels uniform. A ten more season. People are not going to forget that. I'm not going to forget that. Wow. I'm not going to forget that. And Christopher, this is my teenage daughter would say cringe. It was very <laughs> cringe because first and foremost, like I said, the stats don't lie. He's done a lot in a short time with the Angels. I'm not going to forget that. I don't think most people are. Clearly, he's not because he had a shirt of a Otani shirt on. Second. Look, I have, if you look behind me, there's an Alan Trammell, there's Mark Fidrich, there's a bunch of random fan stuff behind me. But at the same time, if you're going to call yourself an analyst, remember history. 
Okay, take the Jackie the Jackie Robinson aside here a second. I mean, <laughs> that the fact that he blew that off and it didn't happen, or whatever the case was, it just to me it just was very tone deaf. But also at the same time, man, it, it just I feel like why why who's he who who's this for? We know that Ot- the importance of Otani, but it just it, it just felt. I don't know. It just felt like something where he didn't have to ride the fence that hard for it. Well, he's had a long time known Otani fetish, right? I mean, he's been like yeah. his number one fan, uh, fanboy. Just, you know, he's all Otani all the time. So this is keeping with his brand, right? Uh, and a little bit of this is to, you know, he, he's trying to get people like us to talk about him. He got a lot of attention. I would like to know if he was just clueless enough to space out Jackie Robinson or if he really considered it and went with Otani anyway. That would be interesting to know. Um, my sense is that that thing was done live. He put about as much thought of that into that whole segment as you know I put into taking a piss when I get up in the morning, right? Not a whole lot more. Uh, that's how yeah. you know he just showed up and did his thing. So, uh, you know... For, God love Ben Verlander. He's cashing in on a brother's name. He's he he washed out in a ball, and he is making a living in baseball in some way. Uh, I don't know what they're paying him. Is it Yahoo Sports? He's doing this with who's that with? I don't. A Fox Fox Sports. Okay, so you know he's getting somebody to pay him for these hot takes, and God love him. You know, go for it. But it was so tone deaf, as you said. It was so weird that he just keeps riding the Otani train. Uh, Otani's not even taking on that bat as a Dodger yet. He may never pitch again. Mm-hmm. Who knows? He's got a bad elbow. He may be just a hitter now. So now is he going to still be an all-time great? I, I'm a big Otani fan. I hope he's wonderful. I hope he kills it. But we don't know. He's talking like I, the Hall of Fame's a sure thing. I remember uh, when uh, you know my favorite player growing up, Daryl Strawberry, uh, left the Mets where he had uh, a lot of success and went and signed a huge contract with the Dodgers. Was going to go on and have tons of success and make the Hall of, Hall of Fame as a Dodger, and uh, no. He had, like, one solid season with the Dodgers, and then everything fell apart. But uh, yeah. I don't know. My, my overall uh, – I just I, – I couldn't help but look at Ben Verlander and see a guy who, who gets caught dealing from the bottom of the deck at the Policeman's Union poker game in upstate New York. <laughs> he reminds me so much of Worm from Rounders. He just – he's like, oh, what's he doing? I, don't, I, don't, anyway. I like it. Or like so. Casey, he's like Casey Affleck. I mean, he's the other brother that you you see sometimes. Yeah. You go, oh, okay, that's yeah. It just it, he's, maybe he's a Casey Affleck. Less, yeah, I, I don't know. Like just, yeah. I, I, he's like the least talented of those three Jonas brothers. Yeah, one who okay. plays the guitar and they never let him sing. Look, I I give him a lot of props. He played minor league baseball. I never did, and I'm never going to dispute that whatsoever. But at the same time. To tell me, to sit th- to, for for anybody to tell me, not take the nepotism thing aside for a second. He's had a, he has an advantage. Jackson Mahomes, yeah. Jackson Mahomes. There, there's there's people that have taken advantage of this, and quite frankly, I you know what I get irritated about is whenever I get passed up for a job, like a writing job or something like that for baseball, and then I see who got hired, and then I just kind of smile and laugh and go, oh, it's somebody they know. Even though, you know, whatever the case is, I get mad about that. But then I get over it and I realize, like, whatever, that's fine. No big deal. But this kind of th- stuff annoys me sometimes because for people that 
for anybody who, who creates content on a regular basis, who's doing whatever we're doing and they're working their asses off. And then to see this guy just go up there and do one of the most cringeworthy things I've seen in a long time. I just feels disingenuous, but just feels no respect for baseball. And I'm so, yeah. I mean, that's actually, I saw all the, 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 the reaction to it. And, and most people were saying, um, like, uh, hello, Jackie Robinson. And, and I assume that he got that a ton. But did he ever um, did he ever come out and say anything more than that? That was actually the first time I'd seen the video. So I, I don't know if he actually came out and said, yeah, my bad. I, Jackie Robinson was a pretty big signing, too. Because if not, then I think, yeah, he just doesn't particularly care. He's just in it for the engagement, right? Like, I've not uh, seen anything, any follow-up from so. him on that at all so yeah i i think if you if you'd say that off the cuff and then i, I would think you'd come back and go oh geez so he must have he must have meant it which is insane <laughs> yeah but uh you know whatever uh like like you said i i you know it's, it's kind of all designed for people to talk about it so and, and yeah we've done and, that and here we are i mean J and also yeah. somebody mentioned uh jason kelsey too so that's another one that well, he's a good player though isn't he yeah jason he, he's going to hall of fame too <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought he was like a Hall of Fame center. Yeah, um, yeah. His mom's riding the wave big time. His mom, like his mom's getting private appearances now and police escorted out of places. So, Mama Kelsey's doing pretty well too. And you know what? No, and and Tito is correct. It is well, it's connections. It is connections. Don't, you know, I I can't sit here and you know I I sound like I'm hating a little bit, and I'm I'm not gonna lie, I'm slightly hating a little bit. But at the same time, I I only say that because. It's just, I, I know, it's just frustrating sometimes. You know, that that's all it is. I mean, I, I, I'm am I supposed to not get frustrated with these things? I'm human. Of course, I'm going to get frustrated. I just, I know, I don't think I, I, I don't think I could do a national job like that because I can never pronounce anything. But my point is, <laughs> I, I, I'm humble enough to know that. But what I'm just saying is that sometimes when I just, we're we're talking about what he's discussing, but it's just, even like there was a there was a there was a uh, there was a blog that came out this week or last week in regards to the Pistons that should move the team based off the, how they're doing. And the Pistons are tor terrible. And they, uh, I was watching tonight. They they were actually in the game. I didn't see if they pulled it out or not. Let's see. Did the Pistons win? They did not. Twenty five in a row. Twenty five consecutive losses to a Jazz team down like their top five players. <laughs> oh, really? At least like their top four. Um, yeah. They played the Craigslist Jazz. Yeah, <laughs> basically. Yeah. Wow. The, the YMCA Jazz. Um, uh, it's tough. It's uh, like eight yeah, players. With the Jazz had eight players out and they still lost. Oh, Again, and it was like they're most of their best play, like Jordan Clarkson and Lori Markin and stuff. Yeah, it, it's I don't know. I don't know what it is. Like, I, I'm trying to think. I'm sure I must have written something at one point. Like, I, I've written things that I knew were going to get uh, people complain about, like saying, I, I think I wrote a couple pieces about, OK, what if what if the Tigers traded Casey Mize right now? I, I remember writing that and getting a lot of guff for that. And it wasn't I wasn't like advocating for it. It was. That was a reaction to Lynn Henning always suggesting that they trade all their good pitchers. Yeah. I was like, okay, well, what would it look like? Um, and and I, you know, I wrote an article about people like lowering their expectations on Spencer Torkelson, and, and people were complaining about that. It, but I don't think I've ever gone full hot take where it's it's just like because you have to know that when you're writing that that this is kind of ridiculous, like you know, moving a team out of town or 
you know, like complaining about signing AJ Hinch now. Like, what what's the point of that? <laughs> like, I don't know. It was just weird, but I don't know. Yeah, I guess people like attention that much. Yeah, and you know what? Look, says the guy with a Christmas tree on his head. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, but I will say I gave a lot of props to Castanelli because he stuck stuck to his guns about it, and he it was a thing that he stood by and if that's his take that's his take but with Bert Ben Verlander it's just something it's just a little different it just seems just it's I don't know it just seems bizarre well, really it's bizarre just, it's just an overwhelming bit of devotion he has to a yeah. Tommy. he he beats that drum rent relentlessly and what is he getting out of it uh, other than attention and that's the thing I think people see through it when it's only or primarily for attention Versus primarily being interesting and entertaining and substantive, I think eventually what he's doing is going to fizzle out. He's an afterthought. I hate to say that, and I don't yeah. wish him any ill will. But you know, being outlandish is fine. It works for some people, I guess. Stephen A. Smith, Chris Russo, blah blah blah. But um, I don't know if Ben Verlander is one of those guys either. Yeah. yeah, you know what? No, it, That's you know what I like the ain't, ain't the drum. He's just beaten, and uh, that's you know what well, Dan makes a good in like. Oh, so say I like what Sam said here too. Ben Verlander's seems like the guy I don't. I, I seems like a guy I want to have beer with. Doesn't seem like the guy I want to have beer with, and that's how I judge how I like people. I also want to have a beer with y'all. Yeah. Awesome. How about it? Yeah, great. Rogers Lion. Yeah, you play yeah. the drinking game. Play the drinking game. Yeah, play the drinking game with us. And look, I like I like what Dan said here, that he's an influencer. And there's a distinct difference. And so between analysts where you're looking at an influencer, I hate that word because I'm in marketing. And then somebody brought it up the other day. My boss brought it up to me the other day in a, in a conversation. And she was like, I know you hate that word. But at the same time, because we're – but it's necessary because – there is a difference. There's a significant difference to, when you're an analyst and you have to be objective and say, "I call it the way I see it," or whatever the case is. An influencer, I don't know. They really, I, I think an influencer is more or less like just being a pie piper. It's being the biggest fan. It's they're not. A, there's no. There's no authenticity. Yeah, you know that's where it seems like it's lacking. Just it's not authentic. Yeah. Yeah. It. I think that that's the thing that's kind of disappointing to me is when he first started getting, you know, a little bit more exposure, I thought, okay, well, like, Hey, you've got, you, you've got this name. That's a good opportunity for you. And you can go do something with it. And what he's done with it is it's, it's kind of garbage. <laughs> like, and even like you, you put some playing, like you comparing him to Chris Russo or Stephen A. Smith, like Stephen A. Smith uh, for all his bluster and loud, like he's still a, a very entertaining, knowledgeable guy, like not about everything. He, he will talk about stuff he doesn't know about, but you sent me that clip a while back of him talking about uh, uh was it the cars movies and, oh yeah uh, and he had a really nice there was a really nice tribute he he gave to bryant gumble or uh yeah bryant gumble the other day about uh real sports you know calling him one of the best journalists of his lifetime and appreciating everything he did and it was like yeah like Stephen a smith is capable of actual sure you know worth worthwhile stuff and i just i haven't seen that from ben verlander uh maybe maybe he'll lead, learn it one day but eh, i don't think so he's he's got to be in his early 30s right yeah, I think so. But I, I look at Stephen A. Smith because 
he also used to cover, I believe he was an NBA B reporter at one point too. So he yeah. knows, he knows the sport. He can talk fluently about it. And sometimes when I see him go with Russo, sometimes it's, I, I watch it because it is, I mean, I'm not gonna lie. It's sometimes entertaining. He is. I mean, for me, I'm always looking for the next big, you know, I'm always looking for the next big. Dead, uh, dead. That's just yeah, the moment yeah. you get me. The next big Crusoe, next big Chris Russo drop. <laughs> and so that's what I'm looking now. Now, Detroit generator, by the way, he's saying I'm in Michigan now. It's not as, as cold as AF. It was like 40 degrees today. That's, yeah, that is, uh, to me, it's going to be 51 on Christmas. Shorts weather. Yeah. This is nothing, man. I, I don't know about you, man, but this is, I can work on my uh, yard right now. This is, yeah, I can. Shortest I, day of the year today. Yeah. It's still, still weather really warm. Yeah. You guys, uh, uh you guys have any interest in hearing some of these Christmas baseball names? Yeah, let's hear these oh, Christmas. Uh, yeah, let's hear these Christmas there, baseball names. Was there anything else we wanted to get to before this nonsense? Uh, mm, yeah, I don't yeah, think so. Yeah. I mean, maybe like you I can said, think of something. Well, yeah, we'll break these down for you. Yeah, I just went over to Baseball Reference, which is uh, always a great tool, right? And they have it's not just major league players; they have minor league players, indie league players, players from hundreds of years ago. So I just started searching some terms, and I came up with uh, you got Justin Slay. Who is currently a college player at Lock Haven in Pennsylvania? You got Keith Scarf, who played in the Cal League in 1967, and his middle name was Noel. So oh, that's a fun one. Wow. You got Chandler Stocking, currently playing at Alabama AM. Max Tannenbaum. Tannenbaum, <laughs> of course, the German word for Christmas tree, uh, is an indie ball pitcher who's active right now. You've got Packy Naughton and William Nice. I thought that was fun. Not uh, and nice. Gift- Gifted uh, Gift Nigopi. I forgot how he pronounces his last name, but of course he was the first uh, major league baseball player from South Africa, and his first name is Gift. Um, so those were just kind of some general Christmas themes. And I went into Frosty Thomas, who played two games for the Detroit Tigers in 1905 and, and lived until 1970. Frosty Thomas. Uh, there, there have been a number of uh, players named Noel, uh, but you know, there's a, a a guy we've seen fairly often in the minors, and John Kinsey Noel. So I figured I'd mention him. There's a guy named Brandon Chestnut, but it's C H E S N U T. No, no second T there. And he, right. uh, he played. A, he played in the Frontier League in 1994. Um, here's a, here's a great one, a very baseball name, Forrest Snow, the 36th rounder for the Mariners in 2010, who uh, who just retired in 2021 after nearly a thousand pro innings, but never did make the majors. Uh, and then there's Robert Snowball, who played in the Michigan Ontario League in 1925. Uh, I thought that's a, a terrific name, and he uh, maybe he got to, got together one day with Jack Blizzard, who played in the West Texas New Mexico League in 1954. By the way, that so, is Frosty. Uh, that's Frosty Thomas. And he was actually he ended up being nice. a doctor. So imagine going to die. Hey, he's wow. a, he ended up being a doctor. So <laughs> I, I, I would think it would be bad luck to go see a doctor named Frosty. But yeah, <laughs> makes so he's good with liquid nitrogen. He gets your warts removed. Yeah, he had the classic, um, uh, the the hair, the classic early nineteen hundreds hair part in the middle look. Rod, you gotta get a, you gotta get a Frosty Thomas jersey. Oh, dude, be amazing! <laughs> Two games to the Tigers in nineteen oh five. They probably um, didn't have numbers uh, then. <laughs> I don't think they did, right? Yeah, that's a yeah, famous Ty Cobb. Uh, I've got only a handful left. We're get, we're getting a little uh, church here. We've got Doc Wiseman, Jeb Wiseman, and Irv Wiseman, of course. Um, <laughs> the three Wiseman. Yes, uh, there's Joe Manger. It was a minor leaguer from 1922 to 1931, and then we have Angel Pagan, right? Uh, Angel Pagan, and we'll finish with these five, these four. Uh, Rudolph Ash, 
went to U of M and debuted in 1920 and is presumably what happens if uh, if the reindeer follow Santa down the chimney. Um, there is a pitcher right now in the Astros organization named Alimber Santa. A-L-I-M-B-E-R-S-A-N-T-A. -E I'm sure it's not pronounced that way, but it's close enough for me. Uh, we've got Douglas Elf, who played in the Midwest League in 1974. And we're going to finish it with an eighth-round pick of the Braves in 1992, Mo Christmas. Mo Christmas? Mo Christmas. That's pretty, ba that's pretty badass. So, by the way, the Michigan-Ontario League, for anybody, we had some, somebody who was asking about this, I think this is a league you could bring back and it actually work to a certain extent, but it depends. So it's so you have the Saginaw Aces, the Hamilton Tigers, the Battle Creek Clusters, <laughs> the Brantford Red Sox, the Bay City Wolves, the Kitchener Beavers, the London Tecumseys, and the Flint Halligans. I like it. I like that. Yeah. The the Halligans were a by the way, fun fact about the Halligans. The former uh, future Pittsburgh Penguins and Steelers owner Art Rooney played played in the played for the Flint Vehicles and, and the outfield for that team. Wow! So fun fact: Halligans. Isn't the Halligan a a crowbar that firefighters use? I have no idea. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so the they, 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 they changed their name to the Flint Vehicles in 1921, and then they, they there's another team that got added to the Port. Here on Sarnia Saints, so yeah, there's a the league only lasted for, and then the Kitchener team ended up changed their name to the Terriers, but the Bay City Wool, like the, oh the <laughs> the Grand Rapids Bill Bobs, Bill Bobs, yeah. All right, well you know the yeah. liberal BJs. What are you gonna do? Um... <laughs> and then there's the Grand Rapids Hormoners. I wish I was making that up. I'm. 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 I'm, I'm... <laughs> Horrible. <laughs> no, not the how are they spelling that? How are they spelling that? Uh, it's spelled H O M O N E R S. So not W H O R E M O A N E R S. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to present to you this. I'm going to present this in in. Yeah, this is a. Yeah, this, this this is it right here. Look at this right there. The hormones. Yeah, it must have been like the name of the owner. They named the team Something after. Like that. that was a, that be. was the last team before the West Michigan Whitecaps came in. Or I'm sorry, no, no, I'm sorry. It was a little. It, 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 I'm, I take that back. But anyway, just it's an idea of. I'm not sure what the name came from, but. Hormoners, harmoners, hormoners. Yeah. Yeah. Lots and lots of baseball history. Lots of fun names. Deadly Ninja Bees asked if there was, she said no Grinch. I looked for Grinch. Closest you get is Bobby Grinch, but Bobby there's Grinch, no Grinch. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm sure you could find a thousand more. I just, I, I kind of uh, had some fun with that for about 20 minutes. And I, it's tough to beat the name Mo Christmas. Oh, that's pretty no. cool. Like, and he's only 49, so he's still out there. If you really, searching for entertainment go to newspapers.com get a subscription to that and look up teams that used to there used to be baseball teams for everything and there used to be teams in wind like so right over here if you live in the dearborn area there's semi-pro teams across all the areas and so a lot of the negro leagues would play these 
factory teams. And so for, and they kept track of it in the paper and everything. So the, I think there was a team in Detroit that was called the millionaires or something like that. that played their games over at Belle Isle. What they was known as Belle Isle. It's, it's fascinating history. If you got. Wasn't there a team in, in like Traverse city or somewhere near there of a bunch of um, Hasidic Jews who were playing. Yes. That's in, that, that was the, that was the, I want to say they were in Grand Rapids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they were they were crushing everybody, right? Yeah, they were crushing everybody. And it was a it was a com it was a combine team. It was a team that was ended up being like some sort of uh House of David team. It was the House of David. House of David, yeah, that was it. There you yeah, go. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and then yeah, we you know, we uh we went to the the celebration of the Page Fence Giants, the team out of Adrian, right? That was yeah. uh you know, had had is it Bud Foster, is that his name? Um Hall of Famer on there. Uh, one thing I wanted to mention too, when I was doing this, and Rod, you might want to pull up if you can pull up Baseball Reference and put it on the screen, mm-hmm. if you don't mind. Yeah. Uh, just type in the word Rudolph and press enter. This Rudolph. is something I'm sure a lot of people know, but I did not know until today. Uh, I'm trying to remember how to spell Rudolph at the moment. R U D O L P H. Oh, yes, right. Okay. All right. All right. Um, I'll show the show the screen here. I didn't. I, I actually was not aware of this. I I was not aware of it either until today. Baseball Reference. If you type in Rudolph, you get a Rudolph player page. He's a shortstop, a switch hitting shortstop. How was what's he? He's five foot three, three hundred seventy eight yeah. pounds. Four point buck. Uh, well, a nice contract. Do that. Eight years, one hundred eighteen million dollars. Yeah, that's not bad. Um. Yeah, for switching shortstop, it's uh, his similarity score is down there. Who is he similar to? JT Snow, Dasher Troy, Rob Deere, Cupid Childs, Ozzie Guillen, Al Kloss, Steve Christmas, Billy North, Frosty Thomas, Matt Holiday, and Holly Hollinshed. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, apparently it looks like they have them for for a bunch of different. Uh, I think you can go down farther, and you, they have them for all the reindeer and possibly Santa as well. I don't know. Yeah, the, the, there's a holiday league. Apparently. Oh, ooh. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, yeah, it's, uh, it's something that I I didn't know about until today, so I thought it was kind of funny. It's good work by the people yeah. over at Baseball Reference. They have uh, yeah. some fun little Easter eggs in there if you can stumble across them. By the way, Cupid's from Finland, Uber. So. I know nice. You'll be, yeah, you'll be happy with that to know. So, so on that note, I think it's time to end the the, the podcast. Or, or we we're gonna do. I was gonna try to do like a holiday, or I was gonna do like a. I wanted to do like a um, like a whole Christmas theme, and and I used actually AI to write out a script and everything, but it was just too time consuming and worked really kicked my ass this week. But well, let's hope that in the new year the. Tigers give us a whole bunch of moves to sink our teeth into and uh, uh, get the club ready. I think that's the everybody's New Year's wish, right? Fill that hole at third base, find some more offense, get another reliever, and let's tee this thing up in, what is it now, 95 days? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I, somebody requested me to sing Christmas Carols, and I will not do that. I will not subject my <laughs> people to my tone-deaf singing. I mean, I can. The closest thing I could do is like, yeah, yeah. That's the only thing I'm not gonna do. That's that's it. Just want to thank everybody for sticking with us this year, and and you know that the show continues to grow. We 
we miss our buddy John, but he moved on for for the, all the right reasons. We had a lot of fun interviews this year, and and on this and the other podcast, and a lot of fun baseball talk. And I'm looking forward to doing it again next year, and maybe I can avoid uh, going on a spirit journey this time. <laughs> well, the spirits are calling. No, but uh, I, yeah. I share the same sentiment as Chris. And thank you for everybody participating in the chats this year. We really appreciate. This is probably going to be pending some sort of big move. Probably the last show of the year because I think next week is just going to, if it's going to be like this next week, I just, short of like a miracle thing, uh, unless the Tigers make a move, we'll, you know, we'll be on there. But that, that Scooble trade hits on Christmas Eve, we'll be here. Yeah. You know what's going to okay. you, 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 you know what's going to happen? <laughs> the poor beat writer. You say that. Yeah. The, imagine Chris McCoskey sitting there somewhere eating and then he just goes, ah, and then just, God yeah. Damn it. Yeah. So hey, yeah. shout out to Chris Bondi, my friend, my old friend Chris. He's been here tonight with some nice comments. Uh, Merry Christmas nice. to you, Chris. Thanks for being here. Chris, thanks yeah. for joining us. Yeah. Merry Christmas. However you celebrate the holidays. Uh, the hat, by the way, Chris's hat's legendary. That should be uh, that should be something that should be going forward. That should be a Christmas tradition going forward. But uh, I think I wore it last year. Did you? Well, there you go. I, think so. I don't remember that. Maybe well, you did. I don't, I don't remember. Hey, if we're at two now, that's a tradition. That's it. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. set in stone. That's right. Yeah. I hope that Chris, I hope that school stays in the Tigers uniform. But like I said, pending yes, any, I, I was kidding. Yeah. Pending any type of <laughs> major moves on that note. But yeah, we'll be back and we'll see you next year. I always say that every year because that cliche is so tired and old, but I still love it because it's, it's, it's such a dad joke. Every time I say it to my son, but uh, it Broder, good to see you, man. Great work with the Lions coverage this year, dude. Yeah. And, um, and everybody, thank That's you. Everybody. Seriously, it's uh, from Montreal to Timbuktu, whoever you're listening to. We really appreciate it. And uh, yes, uh, oh, I forgot to mention on TigersMLReport.com, we're gonna have updated. We're gonna have the Luke Gold report, all the, the remaining prospects. So we're gonna have Magno, Myers, and Gold come out in the next couple of days. We're gonna have some top thirty lists or how we came up with it all. Too. So go to our YouTube channel too as well, Tiger Miley Report. And check out the top 30 list of us breaking it down. And as always, if you can donate, if you can't, no big deal. Happy holidays to everybody. We'll talk to you soon. Hey, everybody. Good night. 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 Good night.